Welcome to Stories and Innovation in ALS. My name is Lisa Deegan and I'm joined today by my co-host McFinn LeVere. We're storytellers and we've both been affected by ALS. We helped found a nonprofit called Everything ALS whose mission is to bring citizen-driven research along with data technology and science to help accelerate treatments for ALS. This podcast brings together the stories of those affected and those who are helping to accelerate treatments for this devastating disease. Today's episode, ALS Reversal Number 42, shares McFinn LeVere's story and journey with ALS as McFinn was diagnosed with ALS and then became one of the very lucky 52 plus cases that were documented at Duke University and being stud studied under the leadership of Dr. Richard Bedlack. McFinn, thank you for sharing your story today with us. I know it takes courage and it's sometimes difficult to, to relive these um, experiences, but it's important. Your story is very important and there's so many people that are really interested in learning more about your journey. So I'm happy that you are here with us today um, to walk us through how ALS touched your life. So with that, I'd like to get into some questions. So I wanna hear how it entered your world, ALS, and what were some of the first signs that something just wasn't quite right? Well, let's go to the first sign that something wasn't quite right, because that was actually about five months even before the first sign of my hand not working. I had a mental uh, awakening inside that something wasn't right in my life. I, I didn't know what it was, but something was coming to get me. And that was in March. Would you say this was a premonition? Yes, it was. Okay. It, it, it came in March and in September, um, I was building a kid house, which I had never built before. And I thought since I was a toy maker, it'd be no problem. The people went bankrupt. They gave me the kit. They said, sorry, you'll have to put it together yourself. Mm -hmm. I started in September. I got everything up on the floor, but I couldn't get it, get it level. So one day I told my worker, I said, listen, I'm very nervous. I can't get the floor level. I'm not coming to lunch. I went down in the woods and started to cry. It was so stressful. It's, it's stress. Stress is what ticked it off. I went inside and I told Mona, I said, Mona, the building is driving me crazy. I can't, I can't do this. We have to get a contractor. It was 30 days later when I went to pick up the big trash bag, the grip of my hand did not function. And I was like, what is this about? Mm. And it slowly went up both of my arms. And one day I said, my friend came by and I said, you know, um, watch me, I'm going to run. And I started to run and my legs just kind of wobbled back and forth. And that was it. It was like, okay, my legs aren't working. My hands aren't working. There's something up. So that was the first sign. And my medical doctor really didn't know how to handle it. It took about two months for me to get to a neurologist. Oh, wow. Okay. And once I did, the sad news started to reveal itself. Wow. Um, so two months to get to a neurologist right away. Was he like, I think I know what's going on? Or did this neurologist not understand what was happening to you as well? What was going on with that? 
Well, when I first went to him, mm-hmm. he read my records and he looked at me and said, I'm afraid that you're going to fall. I really think that you should be in the hospital. And I said, listen, I don't have medical insurance. He said, okay, come back in one week and I'm going to give you an EMG and we're going to find out what's going on. And one week later, I went back and halfway through, I mean, they, they lifted me up, laid me on the table, put the needles into my nerves. Halfway through, the doctor said, I'm really sorry, but your nerves are dead and the rest of them are dying and I'm going to stop torturing you. And so he took the needles out and then he proceeded to tell me that I'm sorry, but I think in your case, you have 18 months of life left. Whoa. That, I don't know how any human being can come up with that kind of a number, but thankfully, he said, I'm going to send you for a second opinion to uh, UC San Francisco Medical Center. And when I went there, I hate to say it, but I got the same answer. And they they said- And they said 18 months as well? they, They just said, McFinn, you have ALS. I would like you to go to the Norris Center next door and get a consultation for a feeding tube. And I said, I don't wow, have. They went right into it. <laughs> oh, they, they, well, I'm not sure. I'm sure that the doctors do everything they can. But in this case, since there is really no definitive, this is what ALS is, mm-hmm. um, they just took. They just took looking at me and looking at my mm-hmm. test and they said, we're sorry. And that was all. I mean, they wanted me to get the feeding tube. But mm-hmm. after that, it was, can you come back in three months and, and let us talk to you then? And so in their minds, were they thinking that this was a very progressive form of ALS? And that's why they were saying, okay, just there's nothing we can really do here this guy's it's coming on quickly and there is that what they're thinking because I only know you know from what you're what you're telling me I don't know what's going on in their minds that's exactly what the doctor's report said oh okay the doctor's report said I'm so sorry that this is coming on so fast I'm concerned for his nursing care because he doesn't have medical insurance ah so this this started by the time um by the time I was at Dr. Laser in San Francisco, I was already in my wheelchair. So um, okay. I started in my wheelchair in December. I went on vacation. I fell down and they had to put me in a wheelchair to bring me back from Mexico. And that, that was the start. So falling down, losing the strength in my hands, not being able to run, and then slowly everything drained away. And I had these two beautiful fingers left. Yeah. And I could move my head. Yeah. I could move like this. And that was it. That was it. That was it. And and, and you had your voice. I did. Yes. Thank God I could yeah. express my yeah. anger and my yeah. frustration. Yeah. And my appreciation. Yeah. It all, it's it's a yeah. real bouquet when you have ALS. Yeah. Your, your days are, are triggered by your attitude. Yeah, 100%. So with this journey, okay, so you're now diagnosed. You, you figure, okay, it's the end of the road for me or not, not know what's going on in your head, but walk us through like what, tell, tell our listeners 
you know, what it was like for you to have ALS and what was the most difficult part for you for going through this journey? The most difficult part was I had just married my wonderful wife, oh. Mona, two years earlier. And I had asked her to marry me for three or four years. And when she decided that it was time, then this came along. Oh. So Mona is the number one concern. And then our finances, because Mona had a sewing business and we would travel to fairs and sell beautiful handmade clothing. And she had to give up that business. Mm -hmm. So that between the emotional, uh, emotional drowning, I mean, this was when there's no answer and you're losing everything, your concerns are, you don't even know what your concerns are because yeah. things are, you're, you're basically helpless and your concerns are, is there somebody who loves me enough to take care of me? Oh, which leads me into my next question. And I think I know what your answer is, but who is your biggest champion throughout your journey, McFinn? Well, I have two, I have to say, to be okay. strictly honest, you know, Mona, saw me all the way through but mm -hmm. brett brett came into my life you know the day brett came in it was a couple it was maybe a week later but the reason brett came into my life was mm -hmm. one day i was in bed and i had to pee and i was <laughs> calling out for mona and she wasn't responding she was in the shower yeah and finally i'm screaming for mona and she walks into the room with a towel around her head and she says can't I even take a shower? Mm -hmm. I said, no. I said, I'm not going to pee in the bed. Yeah. And that was the day that I knew somebody had to help Mona. Oh, so yeah. We have a really beautiful tight knit community and mm -hmm. Brett was out there and Brett came to live with us. Okay. Brett came to feed me, bathe me, brush my teeth, comb my hair, wipe my butt, oh. make me get on the floor every day and squirm. I say, Brett, no, not today. He said, McFinn, today, now, come on. It's like that guy, that guy. A gift for you and for Mona. What a gift that, oh. you know, Mona didn't have to do all that. And she, because caregivers need care too, right? Mona had a walkie-talkie. And so she felt free that she could go anywhere on the property, do her gardening work, and Brett could tune her into whatever was happening. Mm -hmm. Do you still see Brett a lot? I do. I saw Brett at the post office the other day. I walked outside. I said, Brett, Brett, you you, Brett. I said, <laughs> Brett, I'm just writing about you in my book. Aww. And Brett was like, McFinn. So, you know, wow. that's going to be a lifelong, that was sure. 15. Oh, that's a bond that nobody, 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 I, but I understand it because I saw that with my brother. So walk us through, because I know everybody's going to want to hear, how did it go from you're in a wheelchair, you have the use of two fingers and you can do this and this, what, tell us how the healing process began, what happened? The healing process began outside of me because it was my wife mm -hmm. who said, McFinn, 
we have our prayer circle and it happens three times a year and February, you know, I just came from Dr. Laser's office uh, January the 29th and on February the 6th, my wife has a prayer circle and they had been meeting for 22 years at that time. Wow. They get together and they pray three times a year at, in uh, February, May and October. And it just happened to be that Mona wrote to them and said, McFinn is having a really hard time. We need to make this prayer circle be concentrating on his needs. Oh. So 22 people showed up in my living room. I was oh. like, okay. I, I was feeling a little uncertain. And that's when I said to myself, you know, McFinn, you better get uncertain out of here. And just yeah. open yourself up yeah. to what might happen. Yeah. The more open your mind is, the more things happen. Oh, it's uh, we can close ourselves off and say, oh, no, no. But I was I was sitting in my wheelchair. My hands were, you know, in my lap. My arms could not move. And I'm sitting there and they were just coming down with their prayers and their mm -hmm. song. And a voice came right out of my mouth and it said, thank you, everyone. Could you step back? I'm going to get out of my wheelchair. And everyone's mouth went wide open. I and you just stood right up? I stood right up from being completely paralyzed, not completely, I could move my two fingers, you know, mm -hmm. but I could not move my arms and I mm -hmm. could not walk. And I stood right up out of my wheelchair and wow. I walked in a circle mm -hmm. and I came and I sat back down and everybody is talking at once, like what's happening. This was so unusual. Yeah. That 15 years, you know, I, I don't tell that story too often. Yeah. So, but 15 years later, I'm just writing my book and I contacted three of those ladies and I said, can you tell me what you prayed for and what you witnessed? And I have those three letters in my book. Oh, wow. Okay. It is incredible. So wow. we'll have to read your book. Yeah. Oh, you know, the audio book, I, I have an audio book, the paper book and a Kindle book, mm -hmm. but the audio book, I actually relived that journey emotionally, wow. physically, in my telling of the story. Wow. It, it really got to me. Mm -hmm. So that adventure in my life mm -hmm. changed my life mm -hmm. because I lost everything really quickly after that. Yeah. All of that that I gained, it all went away. And depression, took its place oh. by 15 to 30 days later, mm -hmm. I was considering stopping to eat no more drinking, no more eating. Oh. It's like, what happened to me? How did that happen? How did it go away? Who's playing with me? I mean, and this you didn't want to be here for it. No, not after. No, because yeah. once, once you, you know, Lisa, it's very confusing and it's very actually spooky 
I mean, I have never witnessed a person in a prayer circle stand mm -hmm. up out of their wheelchair. Yeah. And that's why I don't, I only give this story out to the people who need hope because. You needed hope. I needed hope. And it was really the only thing that was going to, the doctors gave me no hope. Yeah. It was yeah. my spiritual nature yeah. that told me to keep moving forward. And what do you say to the, the naysayers, the people that say, oh, McFinn, that sounds kooky, you know, or whatever. What, what, right. what do you have to say to those people? Very simple. Mm -hmm. I have three neurologists. I don't say that I had ALS. Mm -hmm. I have three neurologists who tell me, McFinn, yeah. you had ALS. Dr. Bedlack, when I, went, when I uh, gave my records to him, he mm -hmm. said, McFinn, you had ALS. Yeah. You reversed it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I wouldn't be saying any of this unless Dr. Bedlack mm -hmm. verified that I reversed my ALS. Yeah. I do not want to give anybody false hope. This was a very personal healing mm -hmm. and a very personal disease because we all get them from a different source. So, Lisa, there's things that I do not know why. Mm -hmm. I have no idea about yeah. how these things happen. Yeah. But it's the reason that I'm here with you today. Because yeah. what else am I supposed to do once something like that happens to you and you get your, your physical self back? Yeah. So now I'm an advocate for everyone with ALS. Yeah. It's, yeah. You had it. Tell us how you ended up um, connecting with the everything ALS team. How did that start? You know, things start with a phone call. It's amazing. I live deep in the forest. So how's somebody going to find me? Yeah. Well, my daughter has a yoga studio and a young lady came for yoga one day. And my daughter said, you know, my, my dad had reversed ALS. And this person just happened to be Julia, a personal friend of Indu Navar. Oh, okay. And when she told Indu about me, mm -hmm. the phone rang. And mm -hmm. Indu asked me, McFinn, could you come and give Peter some hope? Oh, yeah. And I did. I started to talk to Peter mm -hmm. uh, for several weeks. Mm -hmm. And... ALS got the best of Peter. And when that happened, that gave me, McFinn, mm -hmm. you've got a mission. Yeah. Come on, you're well now. All of these people who are out there, they need some hope. So Lisa, that's that was the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now it's almost been two years. Yeah. And in two years, we have progressed so far in our dedication yeah and our mileage has proven to actually manifest manifest you know i can't i can't say everything that it's manifested but it's manifested hope for people because they think that they can do something to help us yes and that's yeah. medicine right there yeah for sure so there's so many things that people learn throughout this journey and so many emotions and things that you go through and it's really a family 
that goes through the whole thing. So what would you say were your biggest, I mean, you shared some of them throughout this, but what would you say some of your top takeaways um, from this journey, if you want to just touch on some of that? I would love to. And the number one is, I thought I was leaving this world. Mm -hmm. That was very scary. Yeah. I have been working on my spirituality. I've been living it for over 50 years and still scared to death. It was like, you're leaving McFinn. And I'm like, okay, well, I know where I'm going. Um, I'm sure it's going to be okay. And, but still none of that really, who knows? Yeah. Do I know anything? Not really. I have a good story. And I and I'm I try to be helpful, but I I really don't know a lot of things. I know that my personal faith was elevated. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, I, I come on. I had this thing happen to me. Yeah. I got out of my wheelchair. Yeah, that's like I got out of my wheelchair twice. Yes, it's it's made me meditate. It's made me pray. It's made me stand still several times a day. Yeah. My life has become a prayer. In the middle of my busiest little thing that I'm doing, I stop. And I just try to become blank and just try to become whatever is. Because whatever is, is, no matter what yeah. you and I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I try to open myself up to, to God, mm -hmm. to a higher power, to anything that brings me into my heart, because I really believe that this ALS journey that I went on made me fall in love with myself. Oh. It's like, I used to really like McFinn. And then when McFinn couldn't do much, I was like, McFinn, um, what are what worth are you now and that's when i had one of my biggest openings i was sitting at the table i couldn't you know my my caretaker was making lunch mona was out in the garden i looked at everybody and i said wow these people i feel i'm so helpless and right then a little voice said mcfinn did you forget about me i'm inside i'm right inside here you can talk to me i'm your spirit and really i had given over all my worth to what I could physically do. No, <laughs> that's a very short-sighted person. Yeah, there's still a lot more that you can offer. Oh, we're, we're here for um, 50, 80, 100 years, maybe mm -hmm. 120, you never know. But then we're out of here. I don't know if I want to be here for 120, but... <laughs> hey, you just need to take uh, ballroom dance lessons and okay. you'll, be, you'll be walking through it. Anyway, Lisa, the... The essence of our life, well, let's put it this way. The essence of my life came to me and it said, McFinn, you're a spiritual being having a physical experience. What do you think of that? And I'm like, um, I didn't choose this one. I didn't ask for it, um, but I think it's really valuable. Being, not being able to move, really teaches you your value. And so I now look in the mirror. I'll, I'll share this with you. This is how I pray right now. 
I look in the mirror, I say my prayer, and then I close my eyes and I let that being that's looking at me talk to me. And I really, it's been very successful. The little, wow. the little voices that come back to me, there, there is a communication with an inner part of you. You just need to open up yourself and believe it. Even fake it till you make it. Fake it. You do that. Yeah, that's always my thing. Yeah. Well, good, um, good information on just like really opening up and looking within yourself and having hope. And, and it, one more quick question you, you could share with people. Um, any other advice to add to that? Obviously looking within, praying, loving yourself. I mean, you shared so many great insights. Is there anything you left out that you want to share? Well, it, the obvious. The obvious is that we're here today and everything seems to be okay. Mm -hmm. I got in my car and I drove to town and I got in an accident and I died this afternoon. Mm -hmm. That can happen to anybody. Yeah. We never know when yeah. our last minute is. Mm -hmm. And so my advice to myself is 50% in the world doing everything as good as you can yeah. and 50% in prayer, meditation and silence and going outside you know we're mammals mm -hmm. we really need to get out of these four walls that we find ourselves in all the time we need to go out and actually scratch a little bit of that dirt and smell it and see you know everything that you see came out of the earth mm -hmm. so let's get back to actually i don't want to say praising the earth let's say respecting the earth and respecting our part and that we want our grandchildren to feel that grandpa and grand, grandma and grandpa took me to the park. Grandma and grandma took me to the forest. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take my children to the park and to mm -hmm. the forest. Yeah, It's just something that we need to break the four walls and all the busyness that we have. Being outside, being silent, being part of nature. You don't have to do anything. Just yeah. go out there and be, be. And it doesn't cost any money. And, you know, today with technology and everybody's shut within their full four walls on whatever device is their choice. Um, word, words from the wise, McFinn. So, um, I think it would help, you know, we love technology because technology can help better um, patient outcomes and better people's lives. But, you know, if you don't use it wisely, it can also be quite disruptive. So hopefully um, people can take away from this as well. Get outside, get outside, go for a hike, go for a walk, just sit in your backyard, breathe. That's um, right. It's, yeah. So I, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story because I know it's hard to you know go back and relive and rethink, but it's important to share this. And your your story is very different from um, my brother's story, who's no longer with us, and so many others. So you you truly are one of the fortunate, and I'm sure you feel that every every minute of every day. And and I appreciate. Um, all of your your big heart and dedication for your time that you've you've so selfishly selfishly dedicated and given to others. Um, it's really a gift. So 
Um, we're, we're so honored to have you on the Everything ALS team and, and so glad that you're here to help with, with everything you help with. I mean, you, your time and has been so generous. You've given so much of your time generously and your heart. And it's, it's, it's been, um, it's been an honor to get to know you, McFinn. So thank you. Lisa, it is an honor to be part of Everything ALS. I'm 70 now and I have a direction in my life and the direction is straight to each of you who are listening to this today. Contact us. We have some, we have some hope. We have some compassion. We have some understanding. And most of all, we have an extended family and we'd love for all of you to join it. Thank you. And once again, Lisa, thank you for all you do because Together, we can make a difference. Thank you, McFinn. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us in our journey of exploration and digging deep into the souls of those affected by ALS and those working tirelessly to help put an end to this devastating disease. Your stories and work matter so much to us and to so many. Keep sharing and continuing to help further the research in ALS so we don't have to see another person suffer. Are you a researcher, neurologist, pharma, or biotech company working in the ALS space? If so, we would love to hear from you. For more information, please visit everythingals.org or you can contact us at info at everythingals.org Thank you.